When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures for men. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christopher Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, it's cold. For the first time this year, it's cold. <laughs> it's not even that cold. I'm just a wuss. I love the cold. No, it's, it's great. But uh, no, I'm doing well. Uh, fresh off the heels of another loss. In the Fury's Finest League. That's right. Some good games, though, right? Oh, fun games. Always have fun. Yeah, since we last spoke, I have played my three games now, and I am two and one. I have my first loss against a very powerful patron, and our game was basically tied up the whole time points-wise, and it came down to a final dice roll, and that's how we want it to be. That was a great game. Midnight Suns versus My Spider Foes. Not an easy matchup for me. But we played lower threat. It was kind of interesting. And I cannot wait to play more, Chris. I really cannot wait to play more. Oh, me too. I'm a believer in Jean Grey. I'm a believer in Rogue. Yeah. Still have to find a spot for magic out on the field to see see how I feel about that. But I'm really enjoying the new mutants so far. And we got a long time until we get magic and Rogue in our hands with the state of the world. But more importantly, just with their actual release dates, Chris. They're not slated to release until around... Quarter one of next year could now be quarter two with the state of the shipping crisis. Time will tell because I'm really excited to get Colossus in my hands. We haven't even seen his card yet. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for that. But some things we have learned recently, Chris, there has you know been a lot of upset people in discourse in the world not having models some other countries have. I'm pointing that directly at us Americans because we've been missing a lot of models and a lot of people have been pretty upset about this. I've been saying, you know, perfect time to paint and play with our models we already have you know that's my that's my initial response to that but my secondary response to that is i understand because one of those models we don't have is dormammu something i've talked about on the show for a long time i really want to try and play and enjoy and i really do think it's gonna be something that's gonna take a lot a lot a lot of reps to get right i don't think dormammu is gonna be a, a print and play sort of scenario i th- really think he's gonna be a tough one but also something you and i have harped on for a long time chris is most of the world has Blade and Moon Knight, and we do not have them yet. And you and I really want to get the Midnight Suns to the table. 
hence last week's episode where we dove deep into oh, yeah. the Midnight Suns. If you haven't checked that out, please do. I know it's a Halloween special, but we actually made it in a way where it can be listened to at any time. It's not contingent on being based on Halloween Eve, like when we released it. But we're really excited about the Midnight Suns. And Chris, the good news with all of this is Asmodee, through Atomic Mass, just gave us a direct update about their U.S. release product dates. And I'm very excited as a Marvel Crisis Protocol and Legion player. We're no longer fumbling in the dark. Knowing when we're going to have things is such a relief, even if it's not when we want them. It's very frustrating, but I'm really happy to know. Yeah. And I'm going to go through those dates real quick just to keep you, the listener at home, updated with what's going on. And hopefully, you know, this gives us a looking forward to date with all this in our shops locally. And then, of course, on the stores online. So Dormammu, Blade, and Moon Knight are all slated to release on November 12th. Not really that far away, less than two weeks away. And that's good. Everything else, a little bit later. Continuing on, we have rival panels, the Spider-Man versus Doc Ock, new sculpts and reprint card box with the terrain, of course. Then we have Mordo and Ancient One, Doctor Voodoo and Hood, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme and Clea, and the Sanctum Sanctorum terrain pack. Those are all releasing one month after the first ones, December 10th. So at least we have concrete dates now, Chris, and really they're not that far off. I mean, even those are two months away or less. So it's really just one of those situations like, let's just enjoy our time with the models we have right now. Come November 12th or after, we'll start digging into Dormammu, Blade, and Moon Knight and the Midnight Suns here. And then December 10th, we're getting six models, including two resculpts. So eight models, but six new models, eight models, and a terrain pack. So we're going to have plenty to do in December. A big terrain pack at that. That's a big, nice building. Now, what does make me sad, Chris, is we do not have on these lists yet a updated date for Hulkbuster and Miss Marvel. If any of you listen to our AMG Mini Extravaganza 2 episode, you'll understand why that's a huge bummer to me because those models basically moved to the top of my list right next to Dor- Dormammu, Blade, and Moon Knight for me personally because after I read those cards, I was like, oh, not only is this great sculpts, but like these are models I want to play. Like They're going to dynamically change the game. These models fit them to the teams I play. And you know, also, Chris, I know a lot of local players who are thinking about getting into the game. Shout out to my friend James, who is a patron of the show and has just recently gotten into the game heavily since, you know, when he first got the game, it was COVID was starting and th- that's the state yeah, of the world. Rough time. A lot of our players here are just now getting into the game. You know, shout out to James because Miss Marvel is one of his favorite characters and, you know, he would like to have a date on that and play her, you know, with Lockjaw, of course. You have to. You have to. And it's one of those things like, I hope we get dates on Hulkbuster and Miss Marvel. And I hope maybe this is a trend going forward, Chris, with Atomic Mass and Asmodee, because I think this is really helpful. I think this kind of quells the negativity online, which I think is a very positive thing, even though someone's going to be negative about these dates. But I mean, they are accurate timestamps now. And I think that's good because this is something I can say having been an FFG player for so long, having played all the Star Wars games casually and competitively, this has been a consistent problem against those games even well before MCP existed. So the shipping crisis is really not that big of a deal to me because it make, it even makes more sense than just FFG being silent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Atomic Mass has been very graceful, very vocal with us. And, you know, them actually giving us dates now, if this isn't goodwill, I don't know what is. Well, and it's just clearly beyond their control. To get upset with Atomic Mass is just childish, to to be honest. 
Yeah. We all live these characters. So I understand. We all want to have them in our hands. It is not fun that the rest of the world has Hulkbuster and Dormammu, two of the biggest models in the game. And we just want to see what they look like in person here, <laughs> you know, just enjoy their grandeur. Absolutely. But misdirected anger is still wrong. Always. We're all frustrated by this. I, I will just say that. But yeah, I, I'm very excited to get to play against some Hulkbuster to get you know, some of the mutants that are on the way that we don't unfortunately have dates for yet, but I assume we will as soon as possible. I just want to get them on the table. Uh, I really enjoyed our in-person tournament that we did here in Tulsa about a month ago, you know, various gaming days. I'm just excited to get more in-person MCP in with all these new fun models, let everybody flex their their painting muscles and, and do some cool work. And just an expanded roster is just going to be more variety in the game. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Expanded rosters and four new affiliations. That's Avengers, Hulkbusters. That's Dormammu, the Dark Dimension. That's Convocation. That's the Wizards. And then, of course, the Midnight Suns. So by December 10th, we'll just have four new affiliations in the game here in America as well. That's just wild. That's just a crazy, crazy thing. And, of course, these characters slot right into previous teams we've had the whole right. time. So. It's it's a good place to be, and I'm glad you did mention tournaments, Chris. We do have another tournament coming up here in Tulsa. I'll post it on our page when we get more details, but the tournament is on November 20th at Dice Addiction. We'll start earlier in the day again. We'll have a lunch break, and then we'll play some rounds after lunch, you know? So if you are close, I know a lot of you reached out to me after you heard our tournament episode and said, oh, we're really not that far away. I'd love to drive to Oklahoma and play with you guys sometimes. If you're not that far away and November 20th works for you, hit us up. We would love to play with you and get as many people to the tournament as possible. But that's it for the news today, Chris, because we've got a really important character to talk about today, a character you and I hinted at over the last couple episodes because it actually made a lot of sense. We talked about one of his best friends and partners, Luke Cage. We talked about his newest affiliation, the Midnight Suns. And also, we've been talking about the Defenders a lot here and there in recent episodes for obvious reasons. We will talk about the Ghost Rider change soon. It's exciting. It's very exciting. But we're not talking about Ghost Rider Day or Luke Cage. We are talking about Danny Rand, the Iron Fist. A character near and dear to both of our hearts. I was going to say, Chris, your day has come. Finally. So before we get into Iron Fist lore, we have some business to attend to. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel, Crisis, Protocol, and miniature gaming needs our patrons support fury's finest at patreon.com slash fury's finest if you enjoy our show and would like to join our fury's finest discord and potentially participate in future fury's finest patron tts leagues check out our patreon we take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support and this week there is a very big extra big in fact thank you to a very special i guess group of patrons is what we're going to go with here it's Burkhard S. in support of the DHC War Games Club. I love it. Thanks, Burkhard. Thank you. And of course, Chris, this show would not happen without our Avengers producers, Zack Attack, Rusty, Keith, and Dylan. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris, let's get over to lore. Jesse, as you said earlier, we are talking about Danny Rand, the Iron Fist. He is believed to be the 66th Iron Fist, as a matter of fact. 
He is at times the head of the Rand Corporation. He is a defender. He is a Midnight Sun. He is an Avenger. He is the immortal Iron Fist. Danny made his first appearance in Marvel Premiere number 15 of May 1974. He was created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. Of course, this is the peak of kung fu movie popularity. So the Iron Fist is kind of a direct result of that in an attempt to kind of ride that wave or see how far it would go, long it would last. It's very clear that he's from that era, of course, when you take into account his costume and everything like that. But nonetheless, one of my favorite characters, and let's talk about why they call him the Iron Fist. These are his superpowers. So upon becoming the Iron Fist, he plunged his fists into the molten heart of Shaolau the Undying and infused the dragon's superhuman energy into Danny. So what this would allow Danny to do that, and of course his training from Lee Kong the Thunderer, gave Danny an extreme control of his chi. And thanks to the power of the dragon and, and plunging his fists into the molten heart, his fists can become as strong as iron, of course, or, or stronger. He's one of the heaviest hitters in all of the Marvel Universe, as far as mortal-level beings. I mean, even the immortal. I mean, he's he's knocked Thor out. Right. It's very reflective in his on his card in MCP of how powerful he can be, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But through the use of his chi, he has extraordinary kind of elevated levels. His strength, stamina... Everything, reflexes, senses, everything, including a kind of minor healing factor, not as pronounced as a Wolverine or Sabretooth, but he does recover faster and he needs it because he gets his butt kicked a lot. Danny is also a skilled acrobat gymnast and, of course, master of all Kunlun martial arts and various other styles from around Earth, you know, basically anything they could think of back in 1976. So let's talk about Danny Rand's origin story. He was born in New York City, and his father, Wendell Rand, was, of course, the head of the Rand Corporation, a, a pretty much huge multinational corporation. And Wendell had, as a child, been trained in Kunlun, the mystical city. And along with his son, wife, and business partner, Harold Meacham, went on a journey to find the city again. It, you see, Kunlun is a mystical city, and it appears on the kind of earth plane every 10 years. So during this hike, during this journey, tragedy would strike. Danny would slip. He and his mother, roped together, would fall Luckily, neither one of them was seriously hurt, but this would cause Wendell, through a lapse in concentration caused by the distraction of his son and wife taking a tumble, would slip. And after slipping, Meacham had the opportunity to save Wendell, but of course, he did not. He instead used his spike boot to kick Wendell's grip, and Wendell tumbled to his death. Harold Meacham would then take this opportunity to confess his undying love to Danny Rand's mother, Heather 
Duncan. Danny and his mother fled Harold and would happen upon a pack of wolves. Uh, and here, Danny's mother would sacrifice herself to keep the wolves away from her son. And just in the nick of time, wouldn't you know, some archers from the mystical city of Kunlun showed up in time to save Danny. And they took Danny to Kunlun where he was offered anything he wanted. And his first immediate reaction was revenge. Revenge, of course, could not be given. But instead, Danny was trained in the mystical arts. And at 19, he would have a chance to become the Iron Fist. And he would successfully become the 66th Iron Fist. Kunlun would reappear on Earth. And Danny would leave the mystical city to return to New York. He would go seeking Harold Meacham. Upon confronting Meacham, Danny would find Harold legless. You see, he had to be amputated after climbing back to base camp by himself all those years ago. Meacham begs Danny to kill him, but of course, in true heroic fashion, Danny would leave him to his fate and walk away. So what would happen here is after Danny's introduction in Marvel Premiere 15, of course, the Iron Fist series would start. The series just didn't last too terribly long. A lot of cool things you know, were kind of happening in it. It was selling very well at first, but dropped off after a little while. But uh, some of the notable developments from um, Iron Fist Volume 1 is that Danny was blamed for the death of Harold Meacham, but his name was cleared. He begins his life as a superhero aided by Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Sabretooth was int introduced, and the Steel Serpent, the exiled son of Lee Kung, would make his first appearance there as well. So what happened when sales started to decline, Marvel took the opportunity to pair Danny with another solo title that, that wasn't selling so hot. And we've talked about it before, of course. It was Power Man and Iron Fist. They would become the heroes for hire and run for a while. There's some kind of conjecture about why they got canceled and, and kind of what happened. But at the end of the run there, uh, it would have Danny dead in the Marvel 616 universe. He would be dead for four years. He would come back. It would be revealed that it wasn't actually Danny who died. It was a body double grown by ancient enemies of Kun Loon that are also plants. And uh, Danny would be uh, in stasis <laughs> under the city. He'd wake up and he would <laughs> reclaim his right at the head of the Rand corporation but hey what's the most important part of that story chris is that cage was framed for the murder of danny for some time he was i mean you know it's it's in keeping luke cage loves to get framed for murder <laughs> poor guy it's one of his favorite things you to do. check that episode we did luke cage recently <laughs> give it give it a good listen it's there's there's a lot of framing of that poor man also the juxtaposition between rand's wealthy growing up and cage poor growing up is, is is a very cool thing they brought in the heroes for hire series as in it was something that was a contentious thing that caused tension between them sometimes which is good it is good you've got to have that you know a hero's life can't be perfect conflict is what makes the stories interesting but now we have resurrected iron fist well not resurrected but you know out of stasis 
That's right. He's freed by from his stasis by Namor, of mm. all people. And he and Luke would reform heroes for hire, and he would they would expand the team. Um, owned by the team was owned and, and financed by Namor and his Oracle Corporation because every superhero has to have a multinational corporation behind them. Mm. But when Namor decides to be Namor, he dissolves Oracle and Heroes for Hire goes away. Later, uh, Danny would resurface in Marvel after some solo adventures. Danny would resurface in the greater Marvel by posing as Daredevil to try to help keep Matt Murdock's secret identity a secret. So Mm. after it had gotten out... Then it might be Matt Murdock. That it might be Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock asked Danny to pose as him because Danny, of course, could operate, you know, under the Daredevil hood fairly easily and make a convincing double just because he can also fight in those manners. Shortly after working with Daredevil, he will oppose the Superhuman Registration Act. And during Civil War, he will work with Captain America and his team. He would join the new Avengers after this, fighting Norman Osborn. It's fine. That new Avengers story. You've, you brought it up many times. There's some wild things there. There is. It's not quite that new Avengers, though. This is a different uh, new Avengers, different volume. But here's where we got to get to. This is what we're leading up to. And this is, this is where we're going to leave things off here. Mm-hmm. And this is my biggest reading recommendation for anyone especially if you're just trying to get into not just Iron Fist, but maybe a different area of Marvel altogether. Maybe get out of just reading X-Men or maybe get out of just reading whatever. This is a must read. And this, of course, is The Immortal Iron Fist by Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction. Just an incredible, incredible story. Discussions you and I have had off mic that are relevant here. You've told me many times you would bring this alongside the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series, citing what you just said earlier. Someone wanting to get into something new. It's a really powerful, self-contained story. Maybe they branch out, you know, but give you appreciation for the character you might not have. There's recurring themes here, Chris, in these two storylines. And obviously, Fraction's involved in both. There's a reason I really pull for this one as as somebody's first exploration. I'll even, you know, first-time modern comic readers. Okay. This is one I recommend a lot. And the reason behind that is, is because what Brubaker and Fraction did with this was really establish a lot of lore for the Iron Fist. A lot of the lore was, was kind of unexplained. Of course, we'd seen the immediate things. We'd seen Kunlun. We'd, we'd met the Thunderer. We'd seen this and that and, and various mentions, but this really solidified it. What they did was established other mystical cities, a tournament, order to things, other Iron Fists, all these things you kind of think of naturally that I've been talking about naturally, you know, through this lore section were really kind of established here. And it is just a a fantastic read. The art is wonderful. I highly, highly recommend it. Not only that, but it's a a fairly self-contained story. So you don't really need to have any lead in before or after. Just read it. Enjoy it. I know you don't want to give away the story of this, Chris, but I think one of the things that's important to mention about this story, you did mention it's modern. 
you did kind of mention it's the new era moving forward of Iron Fist. But in saying that, would it be safe to say it's kind of like a soft reboot of Danny in the Marvel universe and the way of kind of like we had some of the, the cap comics we recommended early on in this show where it's almost like it's not deleting the past, but it's kind of reestablishing the character. It's filling in some gaps. It's expanding the playground, giving giving writers more to work with having other mystical cities with with their own champions tournaments you know things like this and you can start here being blank on iron fist that's a big part of it exactly that's a huge part of it it's very similar to daredevil yellow in that respect i would say danny of course has made more appearances in you know the marvel 616 post-immortal Iron Fist, it was such a well-received book, so critically acclaimed, right? you know, of course, that he's he's now been around, and he's been in the Avengers, and he shows up here and there. But of course, uh, the most recent version being in Power Man and Iron Fist, Volume 2, very cool art style, you know, kind of returning back to that, you know, early, mid-80s heroes for hire with a very modern feel. Of course, now, Jesse, we have to move on to our MCU section with the holy, (laughs) holy forgettable Netflix series, (laughs) Iron Fist series. It's probably going to be our least exciting MCU section, so bear with me here. All we have of Iron Fist so far in the MCU of any sort, and this isn't even MCU, this is MCU adjacent in the same, same universe, but not quite fully MCU. That, of course, is the Netflix series Iron Fist. 2017 to 2018, season one and season two. Iron Fist or Danny Rand is respectively played by actor Finn Jones. And if you don't recognize that name, he hasn't been in a ton, but he was Loris Tyrell in Game of Thrones for a quite mm. a long time and a great role in that show. Can I just say, I do not think the portrayal of Danny Rand in season one was Finn Jones's fault. I right. do believe the showrunners made the wrong call on how to portray Danny. I would agree. And that's a great lead into my thoughts on this show, Chris, and your thoughts on this show. And we've talked about this on the show before, but if you haven't heard those episodes, this is our least favorite of the Netflix series, which is a hard thing to say, but it's a true statement. And, you know, season one in particular is very rough and very hard to watch at times. Oh, yes. Very clearly, they had a rush script, a tight budget, issues with potentially directing and production. There's a lot of issues in the show that are not in the other Netflix shows at all, Chris. And so that always brings me pause when I see this. I It could still be a bad script, potentially, and then still have the same production of the other shows. Because you and I sang the praises of Daredevil of how much they did on such a low budget and production. Value. Yes. It's absolutely incredible. And then shows like Punisher later that have a slightly bigger budget, but still pretty minuscule compared to the the MCU we're talking about here. Iron Fist does not feel like it's even in a realm with these. I know a lot of people go to bat for season two, and they even go to bat for Finn Jones playing Iron Fist in The Defenders, because it is better. I am one of those people. Uh, His portrayal in season two is much improved, and his portrayal in The Defenders, I thought, of Iron Fist was pretty spot on. It's what I wanted from him the whole time. It just it wasn't a very big role at that that point just because of the unpopularity of the character in the the show's previous. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things about this show, Chris, the Iron Fist, is he has a hard time getting Danny right the first season. 
all the other issues we talked about the show in that first season. And then the supporting cast is just, it's not good, man. The acting is bad. The casting is a little bit off. I mean, he's actually working really hard, but everyone else, not so much. You know, it's cool them occasionally bringing in people like Rosario Dawson. I love seeing her again because she, of course, made her first appearance in Daredevil. They're kind of tying things together. That's really neat, but that really has nothing to do with the Iron Fist story, right? Like, it's just they're kind of right. in this universe together in some fashion. But it, it's a bummer because the other shows were so good. You can even have seasons of the other shows you maybe didn't like as much, which is the case with some people. But all the other shows have at least one or two strong seasons. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a tough juxtaposition to have really strong seasons and then maybe good seasons. And then go to a show where it's pretty much all bad. <laughs> that's the part that's yep. rough. Like we, we talked, we sung praises recently on Luke Cage. We, we've sung praises on Daredevil. And of course, Jessica Jones season one in particular, it just seems incongruent with the other pieces of work they've put out. And of course, you know, John Bernthal's Punisher season as well. So it's strange. It's very strange. It is. They just didn't know what to do with the character. I think that's what it has to be, right? And then they obviously didn't give the script enough time. Maybe they rushed this out to get to the Defenders quicker, you know? And maybe Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Punisher had more time, you know? Maybe. And Cage. They leaned too heavily into the kind of naivety of the writing in the 1970s, I do believe. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you might be right. Look, man, the comics code was going on, like, the writing back then, it's, the books are kind of hard to read a lot of times. And it's just a, a different outlook. The The writers had to be very subtle with some of their opinions and themes. And I mean, that, that was going on even into the 2000s, so, and still does now. I'll stop. Fair enough. It's just tough these days. We have some so much good superhero content, even from the past and, and of course, in modern day. And for something like this to come out and it kind of be a swing and a miss, it, it's, it's sad for the character. I really look forward to Iron Fist's arrival in the MCU in the future, Chris. And this is something you and I talked about on our Shang-Chi episode. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely give it a listen because... Chris goes a lot deeper in this discussion later in the episode. There's some ideas there. We really don't want to, we don't want to retread that ground, but I am interested, Chris, just them bringing this character to the modern MCU and what that looks like, really. I think they're going to do it, and I think they're going to do it right, but we'll see. We'll see. So here's the strange part, Chris. They've confirmed that some of these Netflix actors are coming back. They haven't given us any confirmation on who. I have some strong contenders, Vincent D'Onofrio being at the top, but... We've talked about this. It just makes too much sense. But the real question is, whoever they bring back or don't bring back, okay, that's interesting. But the real question is, is did they reset these shows? So they kind of treat them like a distant past? Does it even matter? I would love to see them bring some of these, these actors back, even someone like Finn Jones, and just reset the story and give this actor another shot, you know, with the actual MCU writing, production, team. Direction. Direction. <laughs> I think Finn is a good actor. I think he can do it. I, I think he did do it in The Defenders, and I think he could step into a bigger role. Mm. I'm all for it. Yeah. But we'll if see. they find someone else, they haven't, I mean, they haven't made a bad casting yet. True. Yeah. And and let's be honest, this is probably the one that if they were to sweep one under the rug, 
this is the one they would probably sweep under the rug. They're right. less likely to sweep the kingpins and the punishers under the rug. Those resonate with people so much. Like the casting was so on point. So it's one of those things like I'm curious to see what they do. It's just an interesting perspective. It's not really, I'm not really going to fault them either way they go. I just am interested to see what they do. Unless they recast kingpin, then we'll fault them. <laughs> We've talked about this. We'll, we'll see. It's, we'll he's see. too good, man. He's That man's worked too hard. So, and just like I said, look up interviews with Vincent D'Onofrio. You almost can't even recognize that he's the same person as this Kingpin and the Daredevil show. The guy has a, a true gift for method acting. That's all in our Kingpin episode. But I'm really looking forward to Iron Fist, Chris, if, what happens in the MCU, because I think the stage has, has been set with Shang-Chi, and you mentioned that in the review episode we did. I, I did, Jesse, and I still feel very strongly about that. I'm very excited for Shang-Chi to come out on Disney Plus. Okay. For free. Just some rewatchability, right? Yes. Well, that's going to be it for Iron Fist lore, Chris. We've got to move on to Iron Fist in Marvel Christ Protocol. His name is Iron Fist. His alter ego is Danny Rand. On his healthy side of his card, he has a stamina of five, a movement of medium, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, and three mystic. And Chris, on his injured side, he also has a stamina of five, bringing him up to a total of 10. What are your thoughts? I mean, he's the high end of everything you want for a on stats for a three cost well he's just he's normal that's what it is yeah so far and that's what's interesting he's normal so far he's completely normal so far because we haven't mentioned yet but he is on a small base of course so he's just a medium mover small base threes across the board 10 stamina very basic until you start getting into the rest of his card well let's go there then iron fist has three attacks his first attack is an energy attack. It is Chi Strike, range 2, strength 5, power cost 0. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt on a wild. You will trigger stun after the attack is resolved. Stun is strong. Stun is strong. Five dice is strong. Yeah. Range 2, not so much. Energy is nice, though. That helps a energy lot. Energy is nice. Not going to lie. That gets around a lot. In a weird way, if you reframe this through the thinking that energy is the least represented defense in the game, you can almost reframe this in your mind as a six strength attack because innately, most characters he's going to run up against are going to have three energy defense or less. That's just kind of common in the game. So it's one of those things. It's a good strike. But moving on, Chris, he has a second attack. There's a physical attack called Flying Kick. It's range three, so he nets some range. A strength of four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Danny gains one power. After this attack is resolved, place Iron Fist within range one of the target. So a couple things about this attack, Chris. It's range three, gets around that range two problem you just mentioned. It's only four dice and it's physical, so there's more characters who are better at defending against physical than energy. But no matter what, you gain one power off this, and no matter what, you get to place range one. This attack is insane in the context of Marvel Crisis Protocol, the miniatures positioning game. <laughs> that, yep. That's all about positioning your miniatures and spending your power correctly. And when you can guarantee you will get a power, when you can guarantee you will be placed Essentially, range three with a base with a range one. That's quite a place. That's nice. He's kicking. 
he's kicking, he's repositioning, he's getting an attack off, gaining a power and moving. Getting damage through is just a cherry on the top. Well, guess what? Now you're definitely in less than range too. So you're going to cheese strike now. <laughs> Absolutely. Or if you have power, Jesse, you might <laughs> do something like this. Let's talk about his third and final attack. This is the reason you take the character, folks. It is the Iron Fist. It is an energy attack. It is range two, strength nine, power cost of eight. The most expensive attack in the game. That's worth noting, and that is super cool in itself. Absolutely. Before damage is dealt, other enemy characters within range three of the target character suffer one damage. Before damage is dealt, if the target character has an activated token, it gains the stagger special condition and is thrown short away from Iron Fist. If the target character does not have an activated token, it gains an activated token. That is nuts. It's crazy. We talked about this the first time in our news episode about the Iron Fist being revealed. It blew our minds then, still blows our minds today, Chris, because eight power is a lot. It's going to take you a while to get here, but you are guaranteeing all of this. So notice it says before damage is dealt, this stuff happens. It doesn't say if you dealt damage and this happened or right, you got a while. Right. Very big. It's none of that. First of all, it's a strength of nine energy attack. So that's just one of the biggest attacks in the game, period. Everyone range three of the, your target takes one auto ping. So very strong at finishing characters off. It's a weird way to oh, think yeah. about dazing or KOing characters. Because if they're just in the range of the blast of this giant dragon punch, they just get dazed or KO'd if they have one life left. But you talked about the best part of this. Before damage is dealt, if they, the enemy character is already gone, they gain stagger and are thrown away short. So a stagger and then also throwing your character into potentially one of your other characters or into a building further away is huge. That'd be enough right there. But really the cherry on top, Chris, and why you take this character, like you said, is tech against extra powerful characters. And that's the second clause. If the target character does not have an activated token, give it an activated token. This shuts down a Thanos. This shuts down a Hulk. This shuts down a Corvus Glaive or a Magneto. It's just crazy. Juggernaut. Juggernaut. They don't get to go this whole turn. So it's one of those things like we play miniatures games and we know we have a finite amount of actions in the game. You know, I know when I play right. Star Wars Legion, it's six rounds. I get two actions with every model. So every model gets 12 actions in a game. That's pretty finite. And, you know, MCP has very similar mechanics. So the second you start adding things like this where, well, I put an activated token on Magneto at the top of a round, Magneto lost two of his actions from this entire game, and he's a six-threat model. That's huge. That's very big. <laughs> I've had this happen to me on cable, and it felt very bad. Oh, I love to put this on cable, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just losing an activation for, especially for a character like that, that is kind of the linchpin of your team. You're yeah. really depending on him for extra defense dice and things like that and, and just fire support. Yeah. Removing that option. It's wild. Well, that's the thing, Chris. This is good on every character in the game. Obviously, though, the stock goes up for Danny doing this on any model of higher threat than him. So I'm looking at the four threats, the fives and the sixes in particular. But really, like, say there's not a situation where that's relevant in your game. If Danny does this to another three-threat mid or late game, 
it could win you the game. It could turn a game entirely. So don't be afraid to use it then. I'm just saying it is a high threat model killer. And you know, this is one of those things that Black Order players fear Danny for this reason, because they only they only have so many models. If you activate one of their three or four models, you've taken away a huge amount of their actions for that game. It's this strange, strange thing, Chris, like we can look at just, oh my gosh, it's nine strength, deals auto pings to everyone around it. Okay, that's great enough. But also the activated token, that's the big thing. I mean, it's it's all of that. That's what's crazy. It's why early on you mentioned why you love the design of this character so much, because he is without a doubt a specialist three threat. My favorite kind. Absolutely. And his stats are basic, Chris, but he's got some really crazy things he can do. Let's not beat around the bush. He's only got two superpowers. That's right. They're both innate. This isn't He's simple. like there's more coming. Like it's, it's all right there. It is the Iron Fist. It is that move. That's what he's here for. But let's, uh, let's talk about these really quick. His first innate superpower is Immortal Weapon. During the power phase, Iron Fist gains one additional power, which is very nice. Huge with the immortal Iron Fist attack. Yes, big time. But also, he's Asgardian, Chris. So if any of you have played a lot of Asgardians or played against them, you know how powerful their early game is because they can interact multiple times with objectives on the map. It's also why X-Men First Class is so powerful because anytime you get a, a character can interact with more than one objective round one, that's a big deal. So if anything... You can use the immortal weapon for that. And Danny can pick up a hammer and then go interact with the secure. I love it. It's good. So his last superpower is Master Martial Artist. When Iron Fist is defending against physical or energy attacks, targeting it from within range three, Iron Fist adds blanks in its defense rolls to its total successes. So that just adds a lot of bit of tankiness to the character. It also really bails him out of that kind of range problem that he has. I mean, range three is the longest range he's gotten. After you use it, you're up in that character's grill. It's not like you can kite with that thing. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a reason this says master martial artist, because we already had martial artists in the game. An incredible ability. Chris Black Widow has it. Having blanks online at range two really helps with that consistency with your dice. And now being range three, I mean, this is better than cover, because if he gets two blanks right, he can really start coming online. Right. So it's interesting. What's also interesting, Chris, with this is this pairs with cover. So you could roll like blank, blank, hit, you could change the hit to a block from cover, and now he's got three blocks, right? If As long as you're at range three or less. So this is why his stats are so basic. This is why he's threes across the board. Because if it was any higher, he'd be way too powerful. Right. And this is extremely powerful. It, it's deceiving. He is 10 stamina. He is three through three across the board. But you're adding a you're adding results on every dice that help you that no one else has on their defense at range three. So it's deceptive. It's very deceptive. But Chris, on his back, nothing changes. The stamina is also five as well. So that's it for Iron Fist's card. Of course, we're going to talk about his tactic card, Heroes for Hire, that we talked about in our Luke Cage episode because Luke Cage and Iron Fist share this card. And it turns out it's one of the best named character cards in the game. Unaffiliated, reactive. When an ally character is targeted by an attack, and is within range three of an allied Luke Cage and or an allied Iron Fist. The allied character being attacked may spend two power to play this card. 
now place an allied Luke Cage or Iron Fist that is within three of the allied character within range one of the allied character. So they're jumping up to protect the allied character. The placed character, in our case, Iron Fist, becomes the target of the attack. After the attack is fully resolved, if the Iron Fist or Luke Cage character is not dazed and the attacking character, the enemy, is size three or less, the Iron Fist or Luke Cage may throw the attacking character away short. You bodyguard and then you get a free throw, all for two power. The hardest part of this card, Chris, and I talked about this in our Luke Cage episode because it is a mouthful to read that and understand that. It's why I tried to explain as best I could when I read the card. The person being attacked is paying for the heroes for hire. Right. Say my Sam Wilson is being attacked. He can pay two, and either Luke Cage or Iron Fist, as long as they're range three of him, can jump to him, range one, take the attack on them, and then they get a free throw on that enemy. And here's what's crazy, Chris, and you mentioned this too. First time I played this against you, you said, that's busted. Because... It's almost like we're seeing a whole sequence of martial arts and wrestling moves Yep. without actually seeing them all because this we're, we are playing a tabletop game. Essentially, Danny's jumping to his ally. He's jumping in front of them. He's taking the attack on him. He might even net some cover out of this. He might place himself in a cover spot. It's very wild. Then he's essentially running up to the enemy and throwing them away, and then he's moving back to that protector spot again, ready to defend against another attack. That's the theme of it, to help you understand it better, because you're like, where does this throw happen? Because think of like an enemy Iron Man or something shooting your target, and Danny jumps in the way, and, and then he throws him away, but you're like, Iron Man was so far away. Well, he's really running up to the character and then throwing them, you know, and then running back is really the theme here. It makes perfect sense for Cage and him both, but one of the most powerful cards in the game because you can guarantee that models on your team won't die with this card. Iron Fist or, or Cage will always take the attack on them if you know your character would die off of this attack. It was game-changing when you played it against me. It really did swing the game. It really did. Yeah, it's just a really good card. I just love the idea of playing it against the Hawkeye and watching <laughs> Danny Rand scurry across the battlefield to Hawkeye from fi- range five and then punch him away. Him running back. Punch him, yeah, and then running back. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, Chris, if this card said pay two for a size three throw, I'd probably play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of contingencies to make this happen. But one of the best cards in the game right now, I think if you have Danny or Cage in your team, you take this card every time in your 10. Yes, I am using future tense because it's changing within the next couple of weeks. Also, Chris, with the card change from eight to 10, this card just got better because you're just always taking it. Oh, yeah. But of course, if you have Cage and Danny in your list, this always makes your 10, probably always makes your five, in fact, as long as you bring one or both of them into your team. I agree. And that leads me to teams, Chris. We've got to talk about affiliations like we always do. One of our favorite parts of the show and one of the listeners' favorite parts of the show because it's it's just a fun time to talk about ideas we have about affiliations. So first, we're going to talk about where Danny fits, where the Iron Fist fits in his actual affiliations. So Chris, you already mentioned it earlier. He is an Avenger. That means he's, of course, affiliated with Steve's Avengers, Sam's Avengers, and now Tony Stark's Hulk-busting Avengers. We can go through those real quick. He gets no benefit out of Steve because he has no superpowers that cost money. Which is wild because he affiliated with Steve during Civil War. Just craziness, really. But we always talk about in this game, you don't have to get too fixated on the leadership because he is going to help you get affiliated teams off in Avengers every time because he is an Avenger. And he's through threat, which is a huge thing. So if anything, you're going to take him in Steve just to get affiliation. 
the real hit here is taking him in the Sam swarm. That's right. This is the dream. This is where I take him every time if I can, because in the Sam swarm, you want as many threes and twos as you can, maybe one, four or something. But Danny's a three. He meets that contingency. He's an Avenger. So it's getting even better here, Chris. Also, Sam's trigger, someone being dazed. This is huge for Iron Fist. If he's dazed, someone else on his team gets to move short up and heal a damage or remove a condition. Someone else on your team's dazed, like a cheaper two threat, Danny's just moving closer into position. Or, Chris, he's moving further away and keeping that range three martial artist consistent from his enemies. He's kind of keeping himself safe with with the blanks. Also, (laughs) Sam's team, he's just a powerful Avenger on Sam's team because he's just a powerful Avenger, Chris, so you're going to take him a lot. But also, it's kind of scary. He's getting free short moves and positioning to do that immortal Iron Fist even easier because it is a range two attack. He does have to get range two. That's something you and I didn't talk about on that attack, which worth mentioning now. Yeah. The hardest part to get off on that attack is you got to be range two. It'd just be too good if it was any range longer than that. So Sam helps with that as well. Also, Danny doesn't mind a heal or two from now and now and then. No, never. Just more opportunity to gain more power, taking more damage. He's just excellent in that affiliation. Yeah. I mean, he, he checks all the boxes, right? We want Avengers. We want three threats or less. That's enough right there. And then you add in some synergy with the affiliation actual ability. But also, we have a new Avengers team, Chris, that just came out, the Hulkbusters. I think he's a decent member of the Hulkbusters with the whole not taking collision damage you know, aspect. That's nice because I will say Danny does not love being thrown. Because notice that Master Martial Arts says, when defending against physical or energy attacks, does not say making a dodge save. So Danny does not get blanks on his dodge saves against terrain thrown at him, enemies thrown at him. So him being thrown or people being thrown at him is truly one of his biggest weaknesses. So the Hulk busting team actually helps with that, produces the damage he takes by being thrown. Once again, we've talked about in the show, it's the Avengers team we're just going to see the least amount of in the game because it is the first full-on specialist leadership we've seen in the game. You're going to have Steve and Sam in your roster and Tony, and you're going to see that Magneto player across from you and say, this is the one out of 20 yep. games where I play Hulkbuster. That was the character I was going to use too. Or even Asgard, right? Asgard or Brotherhood. Oh yeah, for sure. But that's about it. Right now, you're just not going to play the Hulkbusters if you're not going to do that. But it's a cool idea for Danny. It's so powerful against them, though. It's very cool. It is very cool. Now, moving on to Danny's other affiliated teams. We've already mentioned one at the top of the show. We're going to mention it again. The Midnight Suns. He's affiliated with this team, Chris. This is great. Him getting to be placed through Bumpin' a Night. Very strong. Once again, keeping that martial artist online or getting closer to your enemies. But more importantly, Chris, the Siege of Darkness, Danny getting to pay two power and do a free attack outside of his activation. We call it Midnight Suns Forever. That's the joke in the community right now because it is (laughs) a better version of Wakanda Forever because their characters hit harder. Though, ironically, Wakanda Forever costs less power still. Blows my mind. But if Danny can pay two power, he can do an attack on his card outside of activation. Not the Iron Fist, of course, because it has to be an f- attack of a power cost of zero, but very strong in the Midnight Suns just to be able to perform a free attack. Bump the Night's not bad either. Yeah. It's good? It's good. It's good. You mentioned some of his issues like you want to cheese strike as much as you can to build power on top of your gaining more power in the power phase. So you have that Iron Fist on earlier. Sometimes you're barely outside of two. Bump in the Night. Bam, now you're in two. Bingo. Double strike. 
you know, build that power. Moving on, Danny is a defender. This is his final affiliated team thus far in the game. Turns out, Chris, he's a great defender. He'd be able to spend a power to change his immortal iron fist to mystic. Oh, man. Oh. A nine dice mystic, or even change his chi strike from energy to maybe mystic or physical, depending on the target type, what they're weak to. Very, very strong. And then you hex them on top of that. Kind of give yep. them conditions. He does not mind going through the pentagram portal at all. He loves it. He does not mind being healed by Dr. Strange and Wong at all. He loves that as well. He's an incredible defender. I think you're going to see him all over the place in defenders. And rightly so. I welcome it. Moving on, though, Chris, we're going to talk about a couple places I think he's pretty interesting in other teams. Web Warriors. He's very interesting. Oh, you think everybody's interesting in Web Warriors. No, this guy really is because he has Master Martial Artist. So the way this works is as a Web Warrior, you reroll one defense dice every time you roll defense dice. This is big with him because also if you're contesting or holding an objective, you can reroll skulls. So essentially with Danny and the Web Warriors... Anytime you reroll a defense result you don't like, it has a much higher chance than any other character to hit a defensive save, whether that be block, crit, wild, or blank. And the best part is you can reroll out of skulls. So those are your like worst case scenario with Danny, because you can't even manipulate those with cards. You can with Web Warriors. It's good, man. It's scary, honestly. That's well-reasoned. I accept. <laughs> also, the Web Warriors love to give out slows, right? And something Danny would love is his targets to have slows so he can catch up to them with those oh, yeah. iron fists. He also fits the theme of the team. I think they're kind of a flighty team. We've talked about this before. They come in, they deal the damage when it's necessary, get the dazes, get out. Danny's really good at all that, too. Also, Flying Kick is awesome in Web Warriors because they like to be placed, do things, and get out. He kind of fits that theme as well. But Chris, honestly, he's good in most teams, except like Steve's Avengers where he has no powers. But right. He's fine in Guardians. Rerolls are good. He's he's good in Cabal. If he deals damage, he gets a lot more power. Okay, the Iron Fist is online earlier, right? He's surprisingly good in Inhumans because at the start of each one of the character's activations, they can pass power between each other. So you can pass power to yes, Danny. that's very strong. You can like lockjaw some power to Danny, Black Bolt some power to Danny, Medusa some power to Danny. And, oh, all of a sudden, Iron Fist is somehow online. That's scary. Well, and I've mentioned it before. He's a strong contender for my Scott Dream Team, of course, you know Cyclops leadership affiliation. But I always, I also think he's very strong in A Force. Absolutely, being able to build so much power quickly. I know it's it's pretty pretty obvious, but you know we need to mention it. Well, and this is a good point for us to talk about Danny's weakness. Chris is like if he ever gets too damaged and too fed on power, and for some reason you can't get to a target and do the Iron Fist at range two, then he's not great. Because he has no superpowers to spend power on. His two other attacks yeah. spend no power. It's very strange. Like, you've got to get that Iron Fist off. And hopefully you get more than one off in a game. That's really the dream. But one's going to be the average. He likes most teams in the game. Like, I'm probably going to consider trying him in Spider-Foes recently. Just because him re-rolling his enemy's defense dice seems really mean when he has consistent attacks. But... He's good. He's a good character, man. I will be sneaking him in to a uh, Storm leadership team in one of my casual games, too, just because, you know, the way to deal with Iron Fist is to try to pick him out from range before he can really, really close that gap. It's true. No one stops that from happening better than Storm's auto cover. Gotta love the auto cover. Also, something I've always thought of, Chris, and I haven't tried yet, 
he's probably a decent Asgardian because getting to heal at the top mm. of his turn or remove a condition that he yep. doesn't want, like a stagger or something big. But more importantly, I'm sure he's a really incredible and annoying criminal counting as two on a point. Cause then you have to attack oh. him and then you give him power yep. and then the iron fist is online. And he just activates you and he's like, okay, now I, now I get to do what I want. He's good, man. He's just a solid three threat. He's an extremely solid three threat. He fits so many places. He's not super hard to play. You know, you know what he's there for. As long as you go in with a plan, can't die. some backup to execute it. He's a really good character. Also, another reason why he's a good character to kind of play MCP the way we've talked about in the show. If you're new to the game, kind of a way to start playing the game is just only focus on the objective initially. Late game, kind of swing more into the attrition. And Danny's perfect with that, Chris. There's nothing wrong with sitting on a point for two turns before he gets into the fray. Because now it's been yeah. two turns. He's gotten four power. He can potentially build some power through attacks or through some tactics card manipulation and maybe get that Iron Fist off round three or four and move into the middle of the map when he's needed. But the worst thing that can happen to him is he gets stays super early game from range from a Hawkeye or something. And then he gets KO'd mid game before he gets to do the Iron Fist. Right. And that is the general game plan for me trying to deal with him. Yeah. And this is why I think he's a great model in your 10 when you bring lists, similar to how we said about Cage. But unless you're maybe Avengers or Defenders or Midnight Suns, you're probably not bringing him every time. Those teams, you might bring him every time. And it makes a lot of sense. He is an affiliated three threat. But, you know, sometimes, Chris, he's just a tech piece. Like he's one of those pieces, like some people are running him right now as an anti- Magneto, Thanos, Corvus, Glaive tech. Yep. Like they're not even playing Midnight Suns, Defenders, or Avengers, but maybe they're playing a team they really like. They still have a Danny in their team because once again, he fits everywhere. He performs well everywhere. But more importantly, they see that matchup they don't like. They see that Hulk across the table. They said, this is the game I'm bringing Danny. And Danny's going to try to mirror Hulk. Oh, yeah. But survive, stay away from Hulk until he's ready. Yeah. And then he's going to dragon punch Hulk and just remove two activations from a six threat model. Mm-mm-mm. So good. That spirit bomb, man. It's good. It is a spirit bomb. I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a little homage to my weird Danny model I have that is not Danny at all, but it's still Danny. It's still Danny. Yeah. It might be Son Goku, but it's also Danny. And I will post pictures of him on the Instagram very soon because it's a model I'm very happy and proud of. He's a straightforward model, very similar to Cage. You're seeing a theme here. These guys come together in the same box. They're both the heroes for hire. They play really well together. Like when you bring them both on a team, it's really good. They just have their specialist things they're good at. They're specialist threes. And it's, it's a cool thing. You and I keep talking about it. And it seems, it seems like AMG's doing this because we have so many three threats now. We're getting more specialist threes that do one task really well. And I love that. I would rather have that than just a generic three that does everything okay. Well, and it's going to make building your bag of 10 just such a fun thought experiment, especially for, you know, in-person tournaments, I do believe. Because you just... You know, on TTS, you can kind of see, you know, which way people are going to go. But when it comes down to, like, who's going to show up in person Big deal. and what models they own, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's going to be fun. Yeah. Case in point, not a ton of Brotherhood on the TTS League right now. There was a lot early on. In person, might be a lot of Brotherhood. Might be a perfect time to bring Danny and lock that Magneto down for a turn or two. Yes, sir. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Check us out on social media. 
Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest and on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com with any inquiries or ideas or questions and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. It truly helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, guys, even just a five-star review with some words, it just one actually makes a ton of difference. It's ridiculous that that's the world we live in, but it is. So it is. We can't, we can't fight against it. We just got to go with it at the moment. So please, if you can, grab a random stranger's phone and yep. give us a five-star review. And some of you have had to do that because... A large portion of you are Android users or desktop users, and you don't use an Apple phone to listen to our show or Apple device to listen to our show. And we really appreciate that because, Chris, we we have a lot of reviews. And, you know, once again, our listeners are the best, and we are always somehow in that top hundred of the gaming podcasts of the world. So wild. It's a wild and incredible thing because we're up there with people who play Minecraft. And that's just, that's a big market. <laughs> and MCP uh, is a small thing. you know. <laughs> but getting bigger, thanks to you guys. Keep it positive. Keep it fun. Mm-hmm. Don't get too crazy. Be welcoming. All those things. I, this is a great game. I think it's worth sharing. Absolutely. Of course, you can find Chris and I on the internet and social media. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken, and I have a Star Wars show called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, where I am giddy for Josh Giddy. There it is again. More sports ball. You should be proud. It's your hometown team, sir. I am, and I've mentioned that in this segment. And you know, Chris, we've always talked recently it's always fun to talk about whatever here because this is the most dedicated of the most dedicated of our podcast. Cause you know, most people have dropped out of this point or the most sleepy. Well, I appreciate them sticking with us to this point on your morning walk with your dog. You know, it's, it's just a nice, nice thing. And listening to us before you go to sleep. I hope you have a great dream. I couldn't agree more, Chris, but that's going to be it for the iron fist today. Join us next time on Fury's Finest, but until then, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 